In today's episode of Work at Life, we are talking about resilience, which is one of our favorite topics. Our special guest is Annie Lieb, founder and CEO of Annie Lieb LLC, an executive coaching firm who has a really interesting framework for us to think about. Welcome to Work at Life. This is a show for everyone who believes that work should be just as fulfilling as life outside of work, and that the way to get there is through building more human workplaces. I'm Maddie Grant, a culture designer and co-founder of a culture consulting firm called Propel, and I'm your co-host alongside my fabulous friend, Sonia Lucina, an organizational psychologist heading up the workforce division at Question Pro. Welcome to Work at Life. Um, would love you to introduce yourself for our listeners. Sure. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Maddie. Um, I appreciate you guys having me today. And I am, like the introduction said, I'm the CEO and founder of Annie Lieb LLC, which is a coaching firm that I started at, in 2018 to 2020 was really the beginning. Um, and I created this coaching modality called the breath framework, which we can get more into, but I can explain yeah. it's an acronym and where it came from and what it means. Um, but that's the coaching modality that I use to coach high level executives um, to become better, more impactful leaders and to become more authentic versions of themselves. I would actually love to hear a little bit about how, because that's that seems like relatively recent that you started your your firm. So where were you before and kind of what led you to this? Um, you know, wanting to do this. So, a- so great question. I was actually one of the executives that I coach now. So that's what makes it so interesting. Mm-hmm. I was in pharmaceuticals for years and I started to feel stuck and imbalanced and misaligned and not heard or seen and just like a number. And then when I went back to school to get my executive MBA, I started coaching some of my cohort and I left the corporate world and I went to school full time to get my MBA in 20 months and they were kind of like, why are you not coaching? This lights you up. And I'm like, you know what? It really does. So I started this company <laughs> based on them saying, you're really good at this. Then I got certified and all the things, you know, you have yeah, to do to right. start a business and get to become a coach. But um, I really learned a lot by trial and error. And what I do is I coach those executives that feel all those things misaligned, stuck, not seen, not heard, not making an impact not communicating clearly. All of those things that I was feeling, I now coach those people. Well, I love that you have that, you know, personal experience to to draw from because that makes it so much more like you really understand it, right? I totally I totally agree with you. I mean, it's one thing to study it in a book. And yeah, we all want to be oh. certified and have that knowledge and clinical knowledge and things like that, but there's another thing to actually have gone through this life experience. Many, I've lived a couple of lives, honestly. Um, So much life experience to bring to the forefront when you are coaching someone. Fantastic. Sonia, we haven't even heard your voice yet. (laughs) I know. That's a rare, a rare moment. (laughs) Now, what was going through my head, Annie, when you were talking is I, I think coaching is one of the areas I've never done it. I've had coaches and those have been some of the more transformative relationships for me. And so what I always tell people is, you know, when you think of a sports team, like nobody exists without a coach, like an athlete, you know, you don't even have to be in a team. You can be an individual player. It doesn't exist without a coach. And sometimes I think it's so challenging 
for us to expect like executives and people in leadership positions to go and make this phenomenal impact, but not give them the support system that could really, really help them. And for me, I was really fortunate to have a, my first coach, I think at 28. Um, so it was one of the first leadership positions that I was in. And she, she shared some with me some really amazing things to think about, but also even some basic things that I just hadn't thought about yet. And when I saw just how much that helped propel me, I love what you do. And, and I'm, I'm so excited about this conversation because I do think that there is, there's such an incredible space for coaches. And I think to your point, when you were saying you were one of those executives before, I taught for a little bit, also when I was very young. And I remember at the time, I, I was, again, I think I was finishing my PhD. It was in my late 20s. And I remember going to these college classes, like in a suit and a turtleneck, because I didn't want the, no, the students to know how young I was at the time, like I was running these classes. And when I did my reviews at the end, like one of the most frequent comments was like, wow, we really enjoyed your class because you pulled in so much practical experience. And, you know, I just mm. thought like, well, there are a good number of professors that go into the field without ever really like having had a corporate job. And so they're probably brilliant researchers. They're doing really great things, but it's hard for them to relate maybe some of the real life situations because they, they just weren't in that before. And so I saw how for me, even the limited experience I had at the time, how much it resonated with the people I, I taught. So anyways, I just, I was really silent and I said, you know, like, I mentioned it was, it's a rare occasion because I was just really taking it in and getting even more excited about um, our conversation. So tell us about your framework. Tell us what, what breaths, what does it stand for? How did you come up with it? So um, great story, by the way. So in 2014, 2015, I was at the, one of the lowest points of my life. I was signing my divorce papers and I look over on the wall and like, I'm thinking everything is gone now, right? And I have two little kids and things are just a mess. And I look over on the wall and there's a Ralph Waldo Emerson poem that says something about breath. And I'm like, you know what? You can take everything from me. You can strip me of everything, but you can't take my breath. And I turned around wow. on my heel and I went to Center City, Philadelphia, and I wrote on a napkin the word breath in my writing and I got it tattooed on my hip, really small. And now I was like, yeah, this, it, it meant a lot to me, right? So fast forward, I claw my way back to life, basically. I become this really amazing mom. I understand what partnership is. I understand why my relationship didn't work. And I sort of, like I said, I went back to school in 2018 and I'm like, I don't want to be in pharmaceuticals anymore. I want to really be an entrepreneur and do my own thing. And I want to coach. And I have to figure out a way to funnel what I've learned into some sort of modality to coach with. And I thought to myself, breath. Okay, I'm going to make this an acronym. So B is for begin where you are. R is reclaim your power. E is excavate your core values. A is allow. T is through. And H is heal. And I take people on a curriculum from their begin all the way to their heel. And when I say heel, I mean a place of just what we were talking about, alignment, resilience, yeah. impact, fulfillment, happiness, contentment, all the things that are missing when you're sort of on that treadmill of life or that hamster on a wheel. Um, and that's exactly the curriculum that I went through in my life. So I sort of mirror that as I'm coaching. Wow, I love it. Yeah. 
that it like I I love the story like and how much it resonates and how much it resonates with a wider audience but also how personal it is to you and that pivotal moment because I I don't I was talking with someone recently and Dia asked me like oh in your work do you have an acronym and I'm like I don't I'm not like I I haven't had that moment I'm not a very creative person but I think with you just you know how you light up when you talk about it the passion that you talk about it with shows how much it, it translates into your work. I, I think it's just, a, it's incredible. And I think that um, the personal story just adds even, even so much more um, to it. So when you work with different kinds of leaders and when you follow um, that, that framework, like what is, like, is it, because uh, I, <laughs> I was telling somebody this recently, um, how research I think sometimes is me search. And you think about, you know, like things that resonate with you. And so I'm, again, as you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, ooh, me, me, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know more about my personal situation. But I'm assuming that the different leaders you work with, some of them are maybe just in a really challenging position and they got stuck at something like completely, or maybe things are going okay, but they feel stuck in a certain part of their career um, or a certain part of their life. Like, what is your general approach? Like when you look at your framework and when you work with different individuals, like how do you, um, what do people usually call you for? Like what, what is, what are the differences that you've seen? What are some things that have just really like resonated across the board with people that you work with? Well, great question. I, um, there's a couple of ways I could answer, but I think the first thing I'll say is like, these are people that are missing what they thought it would be like to be impactful leaders. So they're missing an adaptability. Like I said, a resilience they're missing. They're not being seen or heard. That's huge for these high level executives. They're just like, wow, Annie, you're seeing my, vo you're hearing my, you're letting my voice shine. You're hearing me. You're, you're seeing me which is, I don't know how to even put that in words, but it's just a thing that I do. Yeah. It's sort of more intuitive than it is something I can teach. But I think a really important part of what I do has to do with core values because it has so much to do with leaning into your strengths of who you are. When you yeah. can uncover what your core values are, like for example, my core values, my personal core values are the same as my company core values. And they are love, freedom, perseverance, trust, and truth. And these are the things that I have excavated, like my E and breath framework stands for. I've excavated them. I've dug really deep to find out what my core values are. And I lean into them and live into them every single day in everything that I do, both personally and professionally. When I tell that story to leaders, they're like, tell me more. What does yeah. that mean? Help me figure out mine. Help me reclaim my power. What does that even mean? To, what does that feel like to do? Um, what does allow? What does that mean? What, how do I relinquish some of this control? I mean, these are the questions they come to me with. And how do I feel like I'm making a difference? How do I make more of an impact? What is resilience? What does that even mean? You know, these are the questions that I can answer with my framework and my coaching that I think is just a little bit different than some other coaching programs. Yeah. Oh, I love this one. One question. This is what Maddie and I study a lot, like from the individual to the company um, and culture level is how often do you see like um, because I completely understand about the voice and being seen and feeling heard. How much of that um, have you seen as more of like an individual, like how somebody carries themselves, how they've gone through life versus maybe the product of the organization that they're in? Like, is it a combination? Is it usually like more, you know, somebody has gone through different organizations and it, it's something that 
like seems to be happening on an ongoing basis, but it's almost like, I don't know if it's like nature versus nurture. Or like- <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think that it's all rooted in us personally. Yeah. I think it all, and that's the part of my coaching that's different too, is like, there's so much professional development out there and I'm not knocking it. It's great. 360s are awesome and assessments are great and they can really be impactful and wonderful and useful. But I think it's the meshing of the personal and the professional development that kind of changes things yeah. where, where I sort of show up. And that's, yeah. it is personal. We can say it's just business and I want to have this wall. And, but that's not the way of today. Today is leading with empathy and compassion and understanding and heart. Yeah. When you can lead with heart and love and come from your, and if you want to lead with heart and love, you have to dig into yourself and find out what your personal obstacles are and lean into, like I said, your core values and your strengths. And that is what's going to help you be a better leader. Yeah, I love, I I talk about that any chance that I get. We mentioned a few times now is leading with your strengths and your core values, because to your point, um, and I've done a lot of work and I do today with 360s and the evaluation, but it's, it's something interesting that's an innate in us to always look, where do we score the lowest? Like where... And, 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 and I, I talk about that frequently because I understand as a psychologist that that's just almost something that's innate in us. And so we have to, in a way, like fight against it because we will be successful by and far based on the things that we're really good at and that we really care about and to your point that we love. And we need to make sure that those things that we're not great at aren't significant enough obstacles to keep us back from shining in the areas where we really shine but I'm a firm, firm believer of the philosophy that all of us are going to make the greatest impact if we're able to maximize the things that we're really good at and find a space to allow for that impact versus looking at, okay, so these are the five things that I'm really good at, but here are the three that I'm really not. So like, I won't even think about the things that I'm good at and I just need to improve, you know, the areas that I didn't score or however I discovered that those are my developmental opportunities. So great point. I agree with you leaning into your strengths, but I also want to make it clear. I give a strengths assessment, um, a character strengths assessment that helps me uncover somebody's core values and figure out a little bit more about their purpose and their meaning here. And what I stress to them is, The ones that show up at the bottom are not weaknesses. Mm -hmm. They're just strengths that are not showing up as much as the other ones. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not good at these down here. It just means they're not present as much. So we work on both how to lean into your strengths and also how to take the ones that are a little lower on your, on the strengths finder Mm -hmm. and lean into them and say, this is how I can bring these more to the forefront. So it's another sort of mindset shift as well. Yeah. And it it is so much about that. It is so much about framing how much people think about it. And I think the the energy and the drive that it gives them to actually take action. So out of all the things, there are so many things we could talk with you about. One of the areas that really jumped out that we wanted to dive into a little more uh, was resilience. Because man, like, I feel like even any time that's been important after the last two years that we've lived through, I feel like people are like, okay, what didn't kill me is going to make me stronger, but how do I do it? How do I really persevere? So before we share our data point, um, just wanted to ask you, like, how, how would you define resilience? Like, why do you think that's important for leaders or for people in general to have? By the way, sidebar, if you hear a loud snoring, what sounds like a loud snoring man, it's my pit bull who's in my office laying right here. He's snoring so loudly. It's so embarrassing. 
I mean, I can, it's like, if you don't hear him, I don't know. So that's what that sound is. In case somebody's like, is someone in the office with her like snoring? Yeah, it's my dog. Um, So resilience. So when I think of resilience, I think of two things. I think of elasticity. That's a word that comes to mind. You can think of like a rubber band and boinging back, right? Like that's a lot of, that's what resilience is to me in, in a picture. The second thing I think of that helps me understand resilience rather than just defining it in words are kids. Like how many times have you seen a toddler or a young child? Kids are so resilient, like the most resilient creatures on earth in that they'll be screaming one minute and then two seconds, they're better. They know how to adapt and get right back to where they were and need to be and where they, where they think they should be right away. That's the adaptability that leaders need. They need to be able to bounce back that, that elasticity. And what I have found is when you work on your core values, when you go through the breath framework with me, when you figure out how to reclaim that power, when you excavate those values, when you learn how to allow instead of controlling everything, when you learn how to go through instead of around things, right? And you learn how to get to this place of fulfillment, this peace that you've never felt before, you're instantly going to improve your resilience, your adaptability, your impact at work. It's just the way it works. I don't have like clinical data on it, except for the the clients that I've seen, but I can tell you that's what I've seen in all the clients that I've worked with in fortune 500 billion dollar companies, right? These are people that if at very first, when I started, I was like, why do they want to coach with me? Who am I? Like imposter syndrome, big time. Like what am I? But now I realize, like, I get it. I get why you want to coach with me because I have to also reclaimed my power. I know my values. I know what I stand for and who I am and my purpose. And I bring that to the table. So when they bring themselves, I'm like, got it. You need to understand resilience a little bit better. And when we go through the framework, it helps them direct them towards this more resilient way of being. Love it. Um, so let me, I'll share our data point now, yeah. <laughs> and then we can yes, continue our conversation on resilience. So we asked 300 workers in the U.S., so these could be in any any different levels of positions, how often do you find yourself in situations where you wish you were more resilient? And over a third of the people said frequently, 38%, and 21% said sometimes. So between those two, it's 60% about they were saying that, you know, there were situations where they wish they were more resilient. Um, Only 36, so about a third said rarely, and only 5% said almost never. So to your point, in these individuals, you know, looking for more resilience, it's almost like a I wonder if it's a muscle that you have to practice, like that it's, you know, it's not like, okay, I have this muscle, now I don't have to do anything for the rest of my life, it's going to be there. Um, were those numbers surprising to you based on your work? Or is that generally where you're, no? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I think, I th- I just think that a lot of these executives aren't sure what they need. So when yeah. I bring resilience to their, to their, you know, their forefront, they're like, ah, I understand once I explain what it means. But I don't know that they even really know. They might be like, you know, it's like self-awareness. I said this to you earlier. Like everybody yeah. thinks they're more <laughs> self-aware than they are. Yeah. Everybody's like, I'm totally self-aware. I'm like, Ooh, not so much, you know? So, I mean, it's something that sometimes you don't realize you're missing in your life. Yeah. But if you're able to sort of bounce back and come back from obstacles, overcome obstacles more easily, be more adaptable, 
um, then you're able to translate that into better, bigger impact at your company and as a leader. Yeah. Well, so to that point, like how do like what is not resilient look like? Like, What are the problems that might indicate, you know, that somebody has this um, this challenge that they they could improve? It's a good question. So to me, it's like what I hear and what I see in my practice is unclear communication, feeling like you're not making an impact, having people not respect you as much or follow what your direction is, um, feeling that misalignment. That's like that imbalance is a lot of the trigger, I think, or that, that flag when somebody has that, they should say, Oh, okay. I need a little help in this way. Like, I just don't feel balanced. This is off. That's off. Everything's everywhere. I'm just not aligned. I do. I I wrote a course and it's coming out in the beginning of next year. It's called executive alignment for this exact reason. Like, what does that mean? It means that, you know, you want to have alignment. You want to be fulfilled in what you do every day. You want to be the hamster. That's not on the wheel. You don't want to be on that wheel on that treadmill all the time. Right. Um, so, you know, what do they see? They see that sort of imbalance, that lack of fulfillment, that like Sunday scaries, you know, um, trying to lead missions at work and lead and direct people and just it not happening, like them not following. That sounds like it's not situational so much, right? It's not that they're not resilient in one particular area. It's more like a symptom of something bigger. Sure. Agreed. And that's why I said to you, I like to sort of mesh personal and professional development because it's not always something like you said, situational that's going on at the office. It could be something from your childhood. It could be something when you very first started work, you know, it could be a lot of different things. And that's what we uncover in the coaching is like, let's get to the bottom. Let's get to the roots of what's going on. And that might be a little intimidating for some people, like a lot of executive leaders hate to say this, a lot of men are like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not digging into that. There's a difference between men and women. Yeah. There's a lot of exec senior executive leaders that are like, I don't need that. I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, well, let me, and that's when I jump, jump, jump into like, let me work with your team. Let me show you what I can do with your team. And when you yeah. see those undoubtedly see those results, then you'll want to participate. And it works every time, but it's a, it's mostly men, some women, but that are more close-minded about it. But then it's like, sit with me for an hour and let's just talk about things. Let's just, you will feel seen and heard when you're with me. There is a warm environment that I create that isn't probably something you've experienced before. So it's really cool. I have like the best job of all time. Do you think, I know you started sort of recently before the pandemic, but do you think that's that attitude is changing in men specifically because of the pandemic? Changing meaning, do I think they're becoming more more open-minded? Yeah, they're more open to this process. I think that certain companies, what I've seen is there's a more transformative culture and they're understanding that things are transforming along those lines a little bit more. But there are men that are certain ages that are just in a place where they're like, I don't, I, I've done this for 30 years. I don't need yeah. help. And it's like, I'm not saying you need help, but I'm saying like, do you want to make more impact? Do you want to feel happier in your everyday life? Do you want to feel more resilient? Do you want to be a better leader? You know, I mean, this is like, who's going to say no to those things? No, I don't want to be more resilient. No, I don't want to help people more. So, you know, it's sort of just uh, across the board, you're right there is becoming a more open mind 
to, there is a more open mind is coming for coaching for sure. Um, but you know, there's people everywhere that are going to, yeah, be no, of course. I'm, I just asked really, because for us, the, the pandemic has created these amazing kind of silver linings or, you know, more openness to things like empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that it's like a door has been opened, but if we don't talk about these things a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, (laughs) it's going to shut. And so, you know, I mean, I think partly the purpose of this whole podcast is to talk about the, like, hundreds of different ways that these doors are open to crack, you know, and can we push through to make like more, uh, you know, just better workplaces. And you're right. We need to keep talking about it and getting the information out there and just having conversation like we are about what this type of coaching and what this type of culture can create. Yeah, for sure. So what would be, I know you were mentioning a little bit and it's probably to ask like a blank, like, oh, what would make, you know, what would be some of your recommendations to people that make people more resilient is tough without an individual assessment. But what are some commonalities that you've seen? Like, I'm, I'm guessing most of our listeners here are, are here today because resilience caught their attention. And it's something that they're either working through or curious about. Um, so it, it, for those individuals like me as well like I'm always like actually last week I think I was googling books and looking on Amazon it was like oh I love I'm in between research on joy and happiness and then it was also like grit and resilience it was all over the place yeah. um but what what would be some like whether it's different material whether it's just things that somebody um can maybe you know self-reflect or have a conversation about somebody else or like you were mentioning a couple of situations where you're like going through it and set it around it like just even some more general recommendations for our listeners. So number one, don't be opposed to journaling. Um, Set a timer for 10 minutes, open up a journal. I don't care if you hate it or you've never done it before. I'm just do. And I always say this, you can write about chicken McNuggets or you can write about your childhood trauma. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not judging it. Just pick up a pen and start writing. You will be surprised, happily surprised at what comes out if you get into this routine. It gets you more centered. It gets you understanding yourself better. The second thing is when you start doing that and you start to see things popping up, talk to a coach like me. Set up a consult. It's not, the good coaches I know, I do that for free. It's complimentary. Let's just have a conversation Mm -hmm. and open up about, you know, what's bothering you, what you think you're, why are you doing research about this? Why have you come to me? Just talk to me about it and see what I have to say or what someone else has to say. There's plenty of us that are really good at this that can help you to take the next steps and maybe even start a coaching program that could change your life. Yeah. Do you have a, a prompt for the journaling for people who are like, ah, what do I do? What do I, write? I will give them, I will give them daily prompts. Actually, there are people like that. And then there are people that just want to free write, which is totally fine too. Um, but I definitely have prompts, but it's, I, I will tell you, this might sound a little woo woo, but it's, it's, it's I very, love intuitive. Woo-woo, so don't even worry about that. <laughs> very intuitive. So like if I was sitting with you and we had a session, I would like have you write down, all right, these are your five prompts for Monday through Friday. And just off the top of my head, what I'm feeling from you, that's what I'd like you to write on. And I have found really good success with that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I've been hearing so much and reading like in the last months about journaling. Um, and it's actually come up in some of my sessions as well. And I think like maybe this will be my trigger point because I'm, I'm always balancing between 
um, yoga and mindfulness and when I have time for that and reading and basically like all the things that are good for like what I call mind, body and soul. Mm -hmm. And then I have to like play this game of logic. Like, what do I have time for? And journaling, I write a lot and I love to write. I've not done that yet. And it's just incredible how much it comes up. It's incredible. Like, and the different philosophies where people will say, you know, write things, you know, that you're grateful for or write things that are bothering you or write somebody a letter. Like if you've had a misagree, you know, a disagreement or whether it's, you know, a colleague, a, a leader, a parent, a kid, like when you articulate things in a I, I now that you mentioned that maybe this is going to be my tipping point because it's just <laughs> unbelievable how often I've heard that. Um, but I think also like what you were saying is I think people need that nudge because I, I think some people maybe journaled as kids and I think I did too when I was a lot younger and then it kind of got lost in the mm -hmm. sea of day-to-day -day things and it's like your diary um, just right life, you probably had a yeah. diary yeah. sometimes it's the only thing that can bring these executive leaders to the present moment that's where yeah. where I find the most success is like you're running like you have kids you have this you have a business that you're you have a side hustle you're an executive leader at this huge company, all these things right and you never have a second it's like oh whoa, whoa. All of a sudden, yeah. it's going to be 20 years from now. Just take 10 minutes and write where you are and be there. Light a yeah. candle, sit in a room, like make it your 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, transformation will begin. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm looking at the notebooks next to me and thinking, which one? <laughs> Should I write it? Which one's going to be the lucky winner that I can start writing in? <laughs> yes, my advice would be don't overthink because that's what I think just, a lot of exactly. Like. <laughs> just yeah. sit and write, and there's no wrong. No one's judging you. No one's mm -hmm. shaming you. Just write and it, it, and, and like try to make it a habit. It, right? It doesn't have to be a journal. It doesn't have to be like a huge blank. No, it can be paper. just you just getting some of your stuff. Your it's like I call it a mind dump. Like just dump it out of your head and onto paper. It's freeing. And freedom is like my thing. That's like my overarching yes. core value. I love freedom. It's like written on my arm. I did get bolder. See the first tattoo, I was scared to death. My dad was going to find out. And now I have tattoos and they're on my, and they're all my core values all written all over me. I'm like, if he sees, I might get in trouble, but I'm 43 years old. Like, what's he going to say? You know? So I got more bold as the years have gone by. Oh my goodness. The other day I had a, a sticker bumblebee for my son, like the stick on tattoos. I don't have a single one on my body, which probably like for Maddie, who knows me pretty well, is not surprised at all. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> as I'm, as I'm getting, as I'm like learning myself better and getting bolder and understanding what my core values are, maybe, maybe I'll say, I'll also have to hide it because I think anybody that knows me would probably be very surprised. Me too. I mean, but listen, <laughs> as a Jewish person, it's sort of like, you're not supposed to, the rule <laughs> technically is you're not supposed to get them. There's like a superstition. Oh, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have a tattoo. And like, it's sort of like a little bit of a loose kind of rule yeah. now. So I'm like, you know what? God understands. I need yeah. you on me. I have love and freedom and, and truth in Hebrew on me. I'm like, they get it. Everybody will understand. <laughs> this is what reminds me of who I am every day. And they were yeah. the most empowering things I've ever done for myself. Yes, I, I agree. I have some too, which I won't go into because my mom listens to this. <laughs> yeah, see, you see, you're the same as me. <laughs> So on that note, I think we're just about out of time. And before we go down the deep rabbit hole of tattoos, tattoos. And how awesome they are, 
Um, Annie, do you uh, do you have like a last thought for our listeners just as we close out today's episode? That's a lot of pressure, Maddie. Um, okay, so my last I thought is journal, so that's one journal. But my last <laughs> thought is you can be. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can still become the person that you want to be. There are people out there that understand what it's like to be in life and not be where you want to, where you want to be, not be who you want to be, not even understand what your purpose and meaning is here. I've been there. And I can tell you that if you reach out to the right people and do the right work, you will have a transformative experience in your life. And who doesn't want that? Exactly. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, girls. Thank it was great to be with you, ladies. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Oh, it was incredible. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me.